Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and then hold your finger there and open uh, in the back of the hymnal to the Heidelberg Catechism, question 105, 106, 107. It's found on page 891, 891. So Matthew 5, hold your finger there. And then page 891 in the hymnal. We are in the third part of the Heidelberg Catechism. What are the three sections of the Heidelberg Catechism? Guilt, grace, gratitude, or? Sin, salvation, service. All right, very good. All right. At least one loud voice in response. All right. Uh, the outline of the Catechism is actually following the outline of the Book of Romans, all right? So uh, let nobody say that uh, a Catechism is uh, unbiblical. Of course, it's not inspired, it's not Scripture, uh, but it does follow the outline of the Book of Romans. And Catechesis, question and answer, uh, is a time-tested and trusted pedagogical tool, teaching tool, used by Jesus Christ himself. So uh, we follow that. We're in the third section of the Heidelberg Catechism, the service or gratitude section of how we are to show God our thanks and our response for his grace and mercy in saving us from sin and misery, not by anything that we have done or because of anything that we are, but because of what God has done in Jesus Christ in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So, trusting everybody is there. Question 105 in the Heidelberg Catechism. I'll read the question. Please respond with the answer. What is God's will for you in the sixth commandment? Does this commandment refer only to murder? And turning the page one more, is it enough then that we do not murder our neighbor in any such way? Good. And then Matthew chapter 5, we turn to the Word of God, more specifically the words of Jesus, to hear his teaching on the sixth commandment. Beginning at verse 21 of Matthew chapter 5, hear what follows for what it is the Word of God. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. 
Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And this is what uh, the Pharisees conspicuously overlooked And this is what Jesus scrupulously points out here in his exposition of the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. We see his uh, diagnosis, we see the requirement and the prohibition here. So, uh, verse 22, Jesus says, I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus makes clear that murder is not just the overt act of taking someone's life. Rather, murder refers to the thoughts and intents of one's heart and to the words of one's mouth. You may be perfectly innocent of taking someone's life and yet still be guilty of violating the sixth commandment. The law is spiritual and judges not only actions, but thoughts, dispositions, attitudes, and careless words. It's exactly why the Heidelberg Catechism points out that by forbidding murder, God teaches that he hates the root of murder, envy, hatred, anger, vengefulness. In God's sight, all such are disguised forms of murder. We ought not to rationalize, excuse, or justify ourselves because we have never taken someone else's life. All of us, at one point or another, speaking as one sinner other sinners have been guilty of what Jesus Christ uh, forbids here, all right? So all of us uh, are guilty of that. Jesus is here restoring the original demand of the law as opposed to the rabbinic interpretation of the law. Look at verse 21. Note specifically the words uttered by Jesus here. You have heard that it was said to those of old, all right? You have heard that it was said. And then he quotes what was said or what was heard. What was said or what was heard was the rabbinic interpretation of the sixth commandment. You shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Scripture by Jesus, is never referred to with the phrase, you have heard that it was said. It is always referred to by the words, it is written. All right. So what Jesus is referring to here, you have heard that it was said, is the oral tradition of the rabbis. All right. 
and the rabbis, in seeking to get around the demands of the law, would often twist and distort the law to make it easier to conform their behavior to it in order that they would not be condemned by what was forbidden in it, all right? So Jesus is restoring the original demand of the law against the rabbinic interpretation of the law. He's contrasting the words of men that are spoken as opposed to the word of God, which is written, the oral teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. They had restricted guilt and punishment to the mere act of murder, but it overlooked the heart attitude that leads to the act. So Jesus here is contrasting that and restoring the original meaning of what the law was getting at here. This is a penetrating, a searching, all right, a probing and a piercing application of the sixth commandment, you shall not murder by Jesus Christ. And it is so because each and every one of us, at one time or another, has been guilty of doing exactly what Jesus forbids here. The scribes and the Pharisees had convinced themselves that they were righteous before God's law, and yet Jesus says they are guilty. Unholy anger and vicious words condemn everyone. Why? Because the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Out of the heart come words. Look at a couple of passages of scripture with me, if you will. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19. This is a very important uh, teaching of Jesus, what defiles a person, all right, as he again is correcting the Pharisees and the rulers of the Jewish people, all right, uh, and their... Um, kosher regulations, all right? Um, if you look at um, verse 17, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and it's that which defiles a person, all right? This is why you need to understand, uh, just a minor digression here, all right? By this, Jesus is teaching that sin does not reside in things, Sin does not reside in pork. I love bacon. God does not reside in certain foods, lobster, right, or whatever. Sin does not reside in alcohol. Sin does not reside in movies, all right? This is why legalism is so contrary to the teaching of the Bible, right? You know what legalists teach, right? Don't, uh, don't, Drink, don't chew, don't go with boys that do, right? No, that's legalism, all right? God doesn't condemn those things. Jesus here says sin does not reside in things. It's not what goes into you that defiles a person. Rather, he says it's what comes out of the heart that defiles a person. Now read on with me, all right? For out of the heart, verse 19, come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. It's not kosher foods. It's not certain elements that are ingested. No, it's what comes out of the heart. 
That's the problem. Look as well at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at what, look at what is the equivalent or into what similar category Jesus places fits of anger that he's talking about in Matthew chapter 5, right? Sexual immorality, idolatry, sorcery. Same category. Let no one rationalize, let no one minimize, let no one excuse these things. Oh, well, you don't understand. Jesus understands. And Jesus says, you're guilty. Look at um, James chapter 4, verse 1. One more passage. James chapter 4 and verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Well, you know, certain circumstances. I get stuck in traffic. I just lose my temper. Road rage is just something. New York drives me to road rage. Is that what causes fights and quarrels? Look, is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. Oh, it's not, not traffic. It's not circumstances. It's not something out there that's the problem in here. Vitriolic, venomous words, Jesus says. Very, very probing, piercing, penetrating application. Now, most of us have a common perspective of the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious rulers, right? We're so, yeah, those, those were the bad guys. Those were the bad guys. But in the light of God's word, how much like them are we? Rationalizing, excusing, minimizing. Jesus says, look at your heart. My heart, your heart, is a human heart, as were the Pharisees' hearts. This is a human problem. It's not their problem. And by the way, don't be sitting here and saying, I hope so-and-so is listening to this. <laughs> I'm talking to you. All right. Question 107 is the requirement of the Sixth Commandment. Does this commandment refer only to 
murder. I'm sorry, uh, question 107. Is it enough then that we do not murder our neighbor in any such way? No. By condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, friendly towards them, to protect them from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Oh, boy, there the rubber hits the road, right? <laughs> oh, man. That patient, peace-loving, okay, Jesus, here I am. Love my enemies? Whoa, 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 whoa. Aren't you talking hyperbolically? Isn't that a rhetorical assertion? Do you really mean that? Jesus says the sixth commandment commands a positive attitude towards brothers and even enemies. You can't have a right attitude to God when your heart is evil towards others. This is what John teaches. First John chapter 4, verse 20. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. You may want to make a note, though, and look at it later. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. A liar. Am I talking like a southerner? A liar. I love God and hates his brother. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Can't do it. Can't do it. Turn back to chapter 5, Matthew. What's at stake here? What's at stake here? Verse 23. Acceptable worship. Acceptable worship. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. I don't know about you. I can speak for myself. Because I'm speaking for myself and I know my heart, I can also speak about you. How many times, Monday to Saturday, we're engaged in this or that behavior that's dishonoring to God, contrary to his word. And then we come to church Sunday morning. We're in a rush. We're late. Got to eat. Got to get the train. Got to get there. Walk in late. Sit down. Is everything straight? Is everything right? You think you can just mosey on into the presence of a thrice holy God and think that because you're here, he accepts your worship? This is why in our 1130 service we have a confession of sin. Because each and every one of us gets dirty Monday through Saturday. We need to be cleansed. We need to be renewed. We need to confess and have God's word assure us that, yes, we're accepted because of another, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I forgive you. I restore you. I reconcile you. Now come. 
Remember what the author of Hebrews says, let us worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. First, first, be reconciled. If you are neither reconciled to God by the blood of his Son, or you are not reconciled to a brother or sister, then your worship is not acceptable to God. God does not take warming a a chair and being here even for two services as doing him a favor. The only thing that's acceptable is coming to him through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. I have a heart that needs to be reconciled. You have a heart that needs to be reconciled. And maybe you need to be reconciled to another before you come and offer your gift in worship. And this is an urgent matter. Look at verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you were going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. As Jesus so often does in the Sermon on the Mount, he is using hyperbolic language. He is exaggerating to make a point, but the point he makes is precise and it is sharp. Don't dilly-dally with sin. Don't toy with sin. Don't think you can get away with sin. Don't think you can sin and then show up and God's obliged to accept you just because you're here. Deal with it. Deal with it quickly. Deal with it properly. Deal with it urgently. Jesus, in exposing my heart, by his word, before his word, is teaching me, he's teaching you the exceeding necessity of Christ's blood to cover the ugliness, the foulness, the filth, and the sinfulness of our hearts. Atone, that word atone is kafar, it means cover. 
We need a covering. You need a covering. I need a covering. I can't come into the presence of a thrice holy God, a consuming fire, without a covering. And the blood of Jesus Christ, listen to me, listen to me. I I know this may be a tough message to absorb, right? I'm, I'm being very strong here. But I want to be very, 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 very sure you get this point. God has provided the means to satisfy his own anger. God has given the way to satisfy his own displeasure. Is God unhappy? Is God angry? When you sin, yes. But God says, here, here I've provided a way for sinners. Here, here's my grace, here's my goodness, here's my love, is that you need not perish, you need not stay in your sin. I've provided a way, and the way is through the blood and sacrifice of my own son, Jesus Christ. So Paul, as a preacher of that gospel, can say, I beseech you by the mercies of God, be reconciled to God. What you and I need are not new circumstances. If only the traffic in New York were not so bad, I would not have road rage. If only those people who live upstairs would lower the music, I wouldn't lose it. If only. No. What Jesus teaches us is it's not if only something, someone out there would change. Jesus says it's what's in here that needs to change. You and I need new hearts. Hearts that are made to beat with the love of God. With the patience of God. With the forbearance of God. With the peace-loving character of God. The gentleness of God. The mercy of God. The friendliness of God. The protection of God. to love even our enemies and to have those new hearts not just changed once but daily fed fueled renewed refreshed with the Holy Spirit to do exactly what God requires Look at Ezekiel chapter 36 as we finish this morning. Ezekiel chapter 36. This is exactly what God has done. Don't you see? Please do not go away from this sermon thinking, I need to get my act together. I need to change. I need to do something. Only God can do this. It's a supernatural act. Ezekiel chapter 36, 25. 
the promise of what God will do in and through Jesus Christ in the new covenant. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What was previously impossible in yourself is now possible because of something God does and does by his Holy Spirit. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. But thanks be to God. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is a God who changes hearts, who changes lives, who brings the dead forth to newness of life. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Help us, for we are a a needy people. Help us to take seriously sin. Help us to take to heart these words. Help us to apprehend the person and the power of your Holy Spirit. Not only to conform us to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, but to work in us that which is pleasing to you. That our lives might be worthy of the high and holy calling of the gospel. And that with purified lips, we might call upon your name in sincere worship. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.